Well, hello! As I sit here in my car driving to uh, one of my places that I have to be today, I decided I would check in and just see how everybody's doing. Uh, yeah, I had COVID, took a long break, um, recovered from that. And, uh, you know, my case, it wasn't too bad, too bad. Constant fever, big headache. The headache, the headache was the bad thing, but nothing ever got into my lungs. And so as far as that's concerned, I, uh, I did pretty good. I believe that brain fog was real. Uh, at least that's what I led my wife to believe. Uh, brain fog, it, yeah, you do feel a little out of it. I remember I had to work on a project when I was down in the middle of the COVID. And uh, it was a rather, you know, big project that was in a rush time regarding audio and mixing and all that kind of stuff. And I had to do it. Uh, I started on it about midnight and I had to get it out by like 7 a.m. It was an all-nighter. And uh, so that complicates things, you know, when you're working those hours. Uh, that kind of makes you a little brain foggy to begin with. That combined with COVID, I was uh, I was feeling it a little bit, you know. It took me a little longer to figure things out and to uh, get stuff situated where I needed it to be. So, uh, but I am, I'm through that. I'm through the COVID. And of course the whole world has, uh, fallen apart while I haven't been on here saying anything. And, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Conspiracy theories are flying out the windows right now, left and right. Um, there's just a lot going on, a whole lot going on. You know, me and my, uh, my brother, my brother lives in Buffalo, New York. We were having a conversation today and we were talking about the truth, you know, getting the truth out there. When, and we we're talking politics and we we're talking about the current situation of things that are going on. You know, you've got uh, Twitter and Facebook and Amazon, every, all these big tech corporations coming down to silence the extreme right or what they perceive to be extreme right or what the media tells you is extreme right. Whether it be the 70,000 QAnon followers, followers that were knocked off Twitter, President Trump that's everywhere banned, and or Parler, you know, the escape that uh, conservative right-wing people had to go to, that was kind of their haven, uh, was to go to Parler, and Parler was shut down, not even by their direct competition Facebook, but by Amazon, who hosted their, you know, web servers, etc., so there's just a lot going on right now, you know, a lot going on right now. And uh, me and my brother were talking today about media, you know, because if anybody says, you know, I just don't trust the media. Well, then you're obviously uh, alt-right wing, crazy, whatever, racist. They, like, they love to throw racists in there. And I don't know how many times you venture out of your house on the daily where you run into blatant racist people. Even the people that you're, you know, you're related to in your personal lives, you just don't run into those people every day. But if you say that the media is biased or censored or, you know, as Trump would say, fake news, you know, if you say any of those things, you are a wackadoodle, right wing, insane person. You're getting ready to storm the Capitol with AK, well, or, or they are, <laughs> and uh, take it over. So we were talking about this, and, um, and we were talking about how, for instance, the right wing being silenced as far as the right wing extremists, that people that were using Parler, et cetera, the QAnons, all that kind of stuff. We were talking about how, you know, in a normal situation, in a normal situation in the past, capitalism has always come to the rescue to correct something like this. You know, everybody's using Facebook. People get dis unhappy with Facebook. An alternative shows up, and there's a place to go uh, with, you know, capitalism. 
it fuels the innovation to solve problems like this. But this this situation we we're talking is a little, it's a little different. And let me point out a few things. Facebook got a such a strong hold on communication between private citizens um, because we all started using it. Now, Facebook, when it started out, it wasn't the way that it is now. It's changed. You know, nobody would have, or half the country wouldn't have signed up for Facebook if they would have known that there's going to be such, such strict censorship and uh, especially kind of one-sided censorship on the platform. Nobody would have agreed, have agreed to that. But Facebook has been around for a long time. We all got adapted to it. We all started using it. People really do use Facebook as a way of communication between their friends and family and checking up on people. And it's uh, it's kind of replaced the phone calls going back and forth. Now we just chat on each other's timelines and uh, we're used to it. You know, it's turned into a platform where a lot of people get their their news or their outlook on the world. You know, um, I, I would say, and I think a lot of you out there would say that in your day to day and your daily, you probably gather more news articles and, and, and absorb more news there than you do on mainstream media. And I know it's true for me because when I turn on, turn on, you know, I'm one of those guys that makes coffee in the morning and I turn on the local morning news. Usually I'm turning on KTLA and uh, that's what I watch as I'm drinking my coffee. And most of the stories that they cover is stuff that I've already seen on social media because media travels, you know, news travels so much faster in social media. So we got used to using Facebook as a platform to, uh, to gather information, to connect with each other. And then Facebook started to take a turn. It started to take a turn towards censorship. And, you know, Zuckerberg, everybody wants to say Mark Zuckerberg this, Mark Zuckerberg that. But you have to realize that my opinion of that or just my idea, and I'm not holding fast to these ideas, but my idea is, you know, Zuckerberg was called in front of the Senate Senate testimony. He was already dealing with the government years ago where they're trying to make him liable for the content on his platforms. So Zuckerberg, I don't know if he got sucked into a battle with the government, and I'm sure the government was um, afraid, not afraid, but uh, concerned with the amount of power that Facebook was starting to gather. Whether or not they were using that power, they were still gathering the power of so many users on this platform using it daily. So Zuckerberg, I don't know if he got caught between a rock and a hard place where the government started giving him a hard time behind the scenes and it was like, hey, you play ball with us or we shut you down. One of those kind of things. I, I don't blame it all on Mark Zuckerberg, but I do not think that Mark Zuckerberg is a man that stands up and fights for you know, the freedom of speech or the freedom to communicate freely without censorship. I definitely don't think he's that guy. Okay. He's just not. So everybody's using this platform, right? And, uh, it started slowly, you know, first came the Alex Jones band, you know what I mean? Oh, he's a conspiracy. You know, we don't, we don't like the stuff that he's spread on social media and, uh, we're going to silence him. And he was labeled in the media as an extremist, as a, as a crazy guy. And everybody went along with it. There was a few people that were pissed, but for the most part, everybody went along with it. And then what's that other guy? Uh, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck kicked off of social media. And everybody stood by. But now it's not these heavy hitters. It's not these heavy hitters of a, of a right conspiracy-tinged uh, you know, message. It is, uh, it, it's coming down to more everyday people. You know, next, Donald Trump. After that, 
they started they started uh, shutting down Facebook pages like uh, Police the Police. You know, big groups that were on Facebook that were spreading um, issues and news articles regarding officers uh, going above the law. Police the Police was a, a a big one that got shut down. The Free Thought Project, which was more alternative media that was going out there and finding digging into stories. You know, these these are people that were anti-establishment as far as they were anti not necessarily anti but they weren't mainstream media they were alternative media and a lot of those groups of alternative media got shut down in fact on the show before we had uh, one of the writers for free thought project and uh, we actually had one of their um, as far as free thought project we had one of their big guys come on the show a long time ago right after facebook and twitter shut down uh, what was it like 200 to 400 of these accounts that were alternative media that they didn't agree with. So it's, it's, if, if, if Facebook was where it is today, would you have signed up today? Probably not, probably not. But the thing is, it's part of our lifestyle and we're in it. But it puts us in a place where more and more, you know, everybody, and, and here I go on the conspiracy side where everybody's gonna label, label me alt-right or whatever. But the media is definitely controlled. The narrative in the media is definitely controlled in mainstream media. It really is. And when you start to silence the whole right side of the aisle or the whole conservative thought or just people that don't have the same view as you, it becomes very dangerous. And I'll tell you why it becomes very dangerous. Me and my brother were talking today and I started bringing up this thing that I was calling political truth. And I was saying that political truth is more powerful than the actual truth. And what is political truth? Political truth is what you can convince the majority of people to believe. And it's, it, this, is, this is so true. This is so true. Think back, think back to early on with a COVID onslaught, right? COVID comes on, Trump gets up and he says, hey, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's da 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 But at the same time, he said, we're going to ban, you know, air traffic from Europe or I forget where it was exactly, Europe and China, or they started with China. And immediately Biden and the Democratic Party were out there saying, hey, this is not the right thing to do. This is uh, semantic racism. This is all this other kind of stuff. When he was shutting down the borders to keep COVID-19 out. Now, fast forward, fast forward further into the uh, pandemic when we're on the campaign trail. And then Biden is accusing Trump of not doing enough enough and saying that he should have shut down the air travel sooner. Now, anybody that's in their right mind that has a memory that is longer than two minutes remembers when Biden was coming out against Trump for shutting down the airports and shutting down aspects of the air traffic. But now he changes a story. He changes a story with a straight face. Now in Biden's defense, in Biden's defense, because I'm always going to have the Biden defense because I think he's so senile, he doesn't remember what he did yesterday. And in fact, during this next four years, I am so waiting for the time where he loses control of his bladder and he starts pissing himself while he's reading off a teleprompter. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen because this is an old man. We've seen old people before. We've had old people in our lives. This is an old man that is senile, that is losing it and can't think straight. Now, of course, Facebook is going to flag those comments that I just said right there as being fake news or partially true. He is old, but he's not senile. That is my opinion. And one of the problems that I've seen right now is it's not just a fake news story that's getting shut down by Facebook or by these uh, Twitter or whatever. It's people's opinions. And when you start silencing people's opinions, we're in a bad spot. But let me get back to this political truths. 
political truths are so much more powerful because that is what sways the vote in, in our American politics. So the truth is that Biden came out against Trump for shutting down air traffic from China. But the political truth is that he claims that Trump should have done it sooner and Trump didn't do enough. The political truth is what won Biden the election. Now, I know you guys are listening to this and like, oh, he's just a big Trump supporter and he was a suck on Trump's fat, fatty comb over cock and all that kind of shit. But I'm not. I am not a Trump supporter. I am a, a supporter of conservative thought and in general, the right side of the aisle. But I divert a little bit when I believe in personal freedoms. If you're not hurting somebody else, then it's not a crime. Okay, so that's where I start to divert away into the more libertarian train of thought. Anyways, these political truth is very dangerous. And I'll tell you why it's dangerous, because we're in a situation where opposing thought or the other side of the argument, the right side of the argument, right political thinking is is being silenced on social media and all these other platforms. So what are you left with? You're left with the media that leans to the left. And you can say all day that it doesn't, the media is unbiased, but come on, who are we kidding? We know the media obviously leans to the left. And don't get me started on Fox News. I think Fox News is as, as, is as controlled as any other media outlet. Uh, I know if I was manipulating things behind the scene, I would definitely have a national network of news that was more right-minded that I still controlled. You know what I mean? But, 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 okay, but, but let's, let's lay the conspiracy theory down. When you control people's perspective, and how are people's perspective controlled? Well, for the last 10 months, we've all been sitting around watching the TV getting fed from there everything that we know and believe about the COVID, uh, the COVID virus, about our political system, about the alt-right, about the left, about, about the presidential election, about Trump, about Biden. Everything is fed to us through a screen, the TV. And when you control that media narrative, and a lot, we got a lot of stuff from Facebook too and social media, but when that, everything that you intake is gone through the filter of somebody else's control, and eliminated opposing thought that's in a bad place. And where it's different for companies like Parler, and where I said capitalism usually will fix a problem like this, is now Parler was a direct competitor of Facebook, right? So they open up their own platform, they're competing with Facebook. The problem being is they were doing okay as far as their battle against Facebook, but where they got shut down is another big tech company came in and shut them down on their server level of what hosted their website. So before, and this is where it gets dangerous because if the media is controlled by the left, if Facebook is controlled by the left, if everything is controlled by the left as far as media and news and, and where you see things and where you see advertisement, then when a next, the next organization comes up that is more conservative thinking, leaning to start a new social media platform or whatever it is, where are they going to advertise at? You know, how far does this go with the blocking of people that are speaking on the right side of politics? It's a, uh, it's a serious question. It's a serious question because I don't think it's just as easy as opening up a new platform to replace Facebook. I think opening up a new platform and if you're banned everywhere 
in the news on Facebook to advertise your new product, uh, it's going to be very difficult getting a big, a big, huge uh, user base. And that's why I think, I think people, some people, not a lot, not the majority, but a good chunk of people are going to divert away from Facebook and start looking for other social media platforms. And there's plenty of them out there, uh, but I don't think they'll ever compete uh, with the size of Facebook. But at the same time, if we were to rewind this clock a long time ago, MySpace used to dominate the social media. And then the trend happened to go to Facebook and then everybody left MySpace. So it's not to say that it's impossible, but I think definitely Facebook has a stronger uh, hold in our personal lives than uh, MySpace ever did. So it makes it complicated. Now, me, myself, it's like, oh, you're a hypocrite, just like everybody else is a hypocrite, because I still see that you have a Facebook account. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't like it. I'm not happy with Facebook. I'm not happy with the censorship that's going on on Facebook. I'm not happy with it at all. Uh, I am making making roads to start exploring other social media platforms, and some are good, some are bad, some are in the upstart stages that have potential. Uh, where I opened up an account was on Float, F-L-O-T-E, uh, and I'm on there as Radio Underland, all one word. And, um, you know, it's a very raw, basic platform. It's got tons of bugs. There's barely any users on that. But, but I do see that they are catering to content creators and they are setting up a system where you can uh, live stream. Because some of these other social media platforms or outlets, they don't allow for live streaming. And that's something that I definitely want to hold on to into whatever social media outlet it is that I focus onto. Um, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. I've got some crazy ideas, uh, but I don't think I'm gonna go into them here because it's just too, uh, complicated. Not saying that my listeners are stupid or any of you listening to this are stupid because you're not. Uh, but it's just, um, some ideas that I have about social media and some type of a more open source type of social media that is not centrally hosted, uh, by one corporation. And I've got some ideas, some thoughts, I don't know if it's viable. It might be, but I'll get to that in the future. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And uh, that is one thing that is running so rampant here in the country right now. We all see it. We all see it. Whether it's that friend uh, that, say, they started into the COVID-19 lockdowns, right? And it's that friend that was out partying, going to Vegas, drinking, having a good time. And then they get, you know, a few months into the COVID lockdown, they're out there marching BLM marches and all that kind of stuff. And you see this all over their Instagrams and their Facebooks and their social media and all that kind of stuff. And then that friend after that went into a phase of shaming anybody that was out in public and saying, we're never going to get over this until people stop, you know, spreading the virus. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is, this is kind of hypocritical because this is the same person that was out running amok uh, earlier. And then they, months later, they change their tune again and you see them out at parties and having a good time. So there's a hypocrisy that is running rapid in just people in general. Hypocrisy is when Trump starts yelling at the BLM marches and saying that anybody that touches a federal building, uh, we're gonna be locking locking them up and facing 10 years. And then when assholes go into the Capitol building, he condones it. No, it doesn't condone it. He never condoned it. I know a lot of people are saying he did a lot of crazy stuff, but you have to really look at the facts of what he did and what he said. He didn't condone it, but he said that we love you. You know, he never said we love you to the BLM protesters. So that right there is 
if you're a BLM and you assault one of our federal B buildings, you're, we're going after 10 years. And if you're one of my people, get out of the White House, get out of the, or the Capitol. And uh, I love you. I know you're frustrated, but just go home. Okay, that is hypocrisy. That's people doing the same damn thing and having two different views about what those actions are. The same way that the whole Democratic Party, for the most part, and I might be wrong, there might have been a couple, but when the BLM marches were happening and Antifa was fueling violence in those marches, as far as when I'm saying violence, I'm not saying against other people, I'm talking about violence against people's private property, uh, businesses, um, buildings, fires, all that. We dealt with that for seven months of the rage of the injustice of Floyd. And I don't recall Democrats coming out and condemning that action, the destruction, not the standing up and voicing of the opinion about the BLM, the Black Lives Movement. I'm talking about the destruction that was illegal. I don't remember any Democrat coming out and condemning it. Now, there might have been a couple, but it wasn't the heavy hitters. I mean, Kamala Harris, she said this is going to continue and that people are justified in doing this. And I'm not. And, and let me let me get this straight again. I am not talking about condemning protesting in general as far as condemning marching on the streets. I'm talking about destruction, doing illegal things during those protests. That's what I'm referring to. So the whole Democratic Party, for the most part, let it slide during those times. And then they come back with Trump with a couple little couple hour ordeal where a bunch of wackos took a VIP tour of the Capitol building, basically escorted in by Capitol Hill police. And now they're calling for the destruction of the Republican Party. Everybody's crazy and we need to shut this down and Trump needs to be impeached. And I'm thinking, you're a hypocrite. How can you allow seven months of destruction to happen to this country and be silent and then speak the other direction? So Trump's a hypocrite. Biden's a hypocrite. The Democratic Party's a hypocrite. The Republican Party's a hypocrite. The point I'm trying to drive home is politicians are hypocrites. It's what they do. They push the political truth to try and sway the masses in elections and gain power. It's not about you. It's never been about you. You know, it, it, they want to impeach Trump again. How many days did that take him? But can they, you know, a lot of people are wanting money from the government, a dole out because you can't go to work. How long do they dick around with that? But when they want to impeach somebody, boy, they, they move really fast. That government that we have today is not looking out for your best interest. It is a game on Capitol Hill. It is a game to tear down the other side. They're so busy fighting with themselves amongst each other, the Republicans and the Democrats, that they really don't give two shits about you. They don't. They don't. And that's my opinion. Call it fake news, call it whatever you want to do. But I don't understand. And I'll, okay, I'll tell you this. Let, 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 me, let me go back to this when I'm talking about political truths. How many times do you see on your timeline, your Facebook timeline, somebody saying something to this effect? If you support Trump and you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a this, you're a that, you're a, you like to fuck donkeys, all that kind of shit, unfollow me, defriend me now. You see that all the time, right? You see that all the time. And maybe you see, I believe there's less of it, but maybe you see if you support Biden, same thing. You're a camel fucker, get the fuck off my timeline. Whatever. What the media has done is it has set up a precedence where people believe 
that the extremists, whether it be an extremist on the left, such as Antifa, busting out windows, burning down buildings, or it's an extremist on the right breaking into the Capitol and stealing a podium and dressing like Buffalo goddamn motherfucking Bill, okay? What has happened over the past 10 months, or actually over, over the past four years, is the media has driven a wedge. And oh, well, how do they do that? I always say that, let me, let me just paint this little scenario for you, okay? You walk into a bar, there's 30 people in that bar, okay? And the media, let's call the media Joe, okay? And the public is everybody else in the bar. And then there's Frank that's sitting at the bar. Frank's just a nice guy. He's just sitting there having a beer, minding his own business, and just having a, a, a good time sitting at the bar of his jo- choice, you know? So Frank is nobody. He's neutral. He, he's not anything. He's just a dude at a bar. Well, Joe, on the other hand, sits down with Frank for a few minutes, has a conversation, then proceeds to walk around the room to the other 20 people in the bar. And he goes to every person in that bar behind Frank's back and he says, hey, see that guy over there sitting at the bar, Frank? That guy is a racist. He wants to kill your babies. He wants to, he wants to do all this shit. He's just a bad, bad man. And Joe takes the time to go to every person in that bar and tell them this story about Frank sitting at the bar. How do you feel that those people in that bar are going to react to Frank? Yeah, they're going to have a bad, bad opinion. You think, you think anybody in that bar is going to elect Frank to be the president of that bar? No, no, no. So what Joe did, which remember Joe is the media, what Joe did is he went around and he spread twisted information about Frank and painted a bad picture about Frank. Now, the truth is, is that, is that Frank is none of those things. Frank is a normal guy, okay? Frank is just a, he's just, he's just your average Joe. That is the absolute truth. But what is the political truth? The political truth is that room believes that Frank is a, uh, a monkey fucking uh, whatever, uh, racist, bigot, whatever, and they all wanna kick his ass. So when, what, what I'm saying about political truth is in that situation, what is more powerful? The actual truth or the political truth that has taken over that room? It's the political truth. Because when it comes to election in that bar, nobody's electing Frank. Everybody believes Joe and they're not electing Frank. It's just not gonna happen. So that's what I'm talking about, about political truths. What the media wants you to believe of the truth is very, very, very powerful. And so I don't know what's in the works. I don't know what's behind the curtain. I don't know what's going on, but I do you definitely see a lot of um, movement to silence the, the right side of the argument and to label the right side as extremists or uh, just bad, 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 racist, bigoted people. You know, that's what the media is doing. That's Joe in the bar going around and telling them that's what they're spreading. That's the narrative right now. So what is the purpose behind that? I don't know. I mean, I could sit here and elaborate on thoughts of where things could possibly go, but it'd be fake news because it's not based on fact. But I mean, yeah, silencing Trump the way that they have, you know, we're getting down to the wire. There's only a couple days left. Well, what, what's going what's gonna to happen is Trump going to throw a Hail Mary pass and declare martial law and say that the, the, the election was so jacked up and all this other kind of stuff that we have to declare martial law and proceed with this in court. Um, 
I don't think that's a that's a likely probable probable possibility. I'm not ruling it out. Hell, between 2020 and 2021, I'm not ruling out anything because there's been some crazy stuff going on. But let's 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 venture down that that road of hypothetical thinking. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say let's say that was Trump's next move. Then what greater def- defense is it for the left side, the left side of politics, to silence the right where that voice can't get out there? It, it, to me, it seems like almost like a defensive move that's going on right now, a preemptive move. In case, in case Trump goes off the rails, we've got him shut down where he can't communicate with people and uh, we're going to control the narrative. You know, we're just going to go on and uh, on the media and just 24-7 tell you how crazy and what a what a maniac Trump is for trying to take over this country and he's lost his marbles and all this other kind of stuff. And we're going to control that narrative on Facebook. We're going to control it on Twitter and we're going to control it on the, the media, the mainstream media everywhere. That's what you're going to be bombarded with, that this guy's a nutcase. We're going to walk around the bar and tell everybody how crazy this is. Now, that's just a hypothetical. I don't think it's going to go down that way. Uh, But like I said, it's 2021, and I definitely, sure as hell, wouldn't rule anything out. Crazy times, man. I don't know if you guys are out there getting vaccinated, who's gotten vaccinated, all that kind of stuff. People ask me, they say, hey, Jake, are you going to get vaccinated? Now, first off, let me set a couple things straight. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Do I believe some vaccines might have some problems and there's evidence out there to, to, to say that? Yes. And what are the percentages? They're relatively low. Um, you know, it's not like I'm going to tell my kids to my grandkids not to get polio vaccinated. I think that'd be stupid. We've got a tried and true vaccination that, you know, solves this polio issue and you might as well get it. But I do see issues with the vaccine, this particular vaccine that's going on. And it's not about conspiracy about putting a microchip in your arm or whatever it is, altering your DNA or all the other stories that are going on about this vaccine. My problem with this vaccine in particular is that I don't believe that it's tried and true. And for me, just coming out of COVID, you know, I'm going to have some immunity for a while and I'm not going to be rushing out to get this this vaccine. I think we need some more time you, you know, when it's set up in the way that it has, which, which make, this is what makes me skeptical. When the government has put in place legislation that makes these drug manufacturers not liable for any oopsies that we have with the vaccine, that scares me. That scares me a lot. So when the government removed those restrictions, which was done by Trump, when the government removes those restrictions... And then you have companies like Moderna and Pfizer and all this other kind of stuff. And they are tempted to come out with a product in a hurry because they're going to create billions of dollars of revenue off of this. It just sets up a bad scenario. It, it sets up a scientific drag race in, in record time. And I don't think that science should be out there drag racing. I think they should take their time. And I know it's one of those things where, well, we need the vaccine right now to, to save the world. We really do. We really, do we? Do we? When's the last time you heard the media talking about herd immunity? I, I'm just curious because back in, you know, September, October, everybody was talking about herd immunity, herd immunity this, herd immunity that, right? Do, you, do, you, do we let COVID run its course and establish herd immunity? When's the last time you heard the words herd immunity? Now, I don't quote me on these numbers, 
This is the last time I checked officially and saw it in writing. It was one in 17 people uh, had COVID in LA County. So I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about how herd immunity has gone off the record and not mentioned. And so I started looking back through some of those articles back in September and October. And I was pulling up some articles where they were talking about what level of spread of COVID-19 does it take to get to uh, herd immunity. And in some instances, they were saying like 30 to 70%. And it varies depending on how people are social distancing and all these other factors that play into it. But they were calling for 70% on the high. Okay. Last time I checked the numbers, one in 17 people in LA County had uh, had at some time tested positive for COVID-19. And as I looked into this today, I was hearing people say that, well, yeah, but now that number's down to one in three. I don't don't quote me on that. I don't know if it's accurate. That was just coming from casual conversation. Well, if one in three people have or have tested positive for COVID-19, and what herd immunity is, if you don't know that, that's when. So many people have antibodies to the virus that the virus doesn't have a way to spread because you're coming into too many people that already have the antibodies or already had COVID-19 and the virus isn't spreading to them. And so it just kind of stops the growth of the virus because it has nowhere to spread to. So that's what they're talking about with herd immunity. So and on the news right now, right now, um, I believe they're talking about the city of LA, the city of LA, as I was driving down, they were saying that has passed 1 million people infected. Well, you know, and like I said, right now I'm talking casually, this isn't scientific facts, but I'm talking, you know, how many people are in LA? 5 million, something like that. How many people are actually in the city of LA? I'm not sure, but 1 million is a big chunk according to that number that they just stated. It doesn't, it doesn't add up to what my friend was saying of one in three, but it's still a big chunk. But how come we're not talking about herd immunity? Are we there yet? Are we almost there? You know, when we reach that, do we need the vaccine? I don't know. With this vaccine, there's such a big push. There's so much money to be made. You know, you've got LA County School District requiring that all students that return to LA County School District are going to have to be vaccinated. What's the motivation behind that? Is the motivation pure and simple just to save humanity and make everybody healthy and just get past this problem? Well, I hope to God that's it. I really do. I really hope that's it. But I am skeptical. There is a little bit in me that just is like, "Ah, I'm going to stand off a little bit and wait around to take this COVID-19 vaccine. That's not something that I feel that I need to rush out to right this second. You know, I think I've got a little bit of a uh, uh, a buffer here, you know, just coming out of the COVID-19. I got my antibodies. I'm going to, you know. I'm going to just relax and chill and see what happens. And I, you know, I've, I've heard other people say that you have to be uh, cleared of COVID-19 for over 90 days before you can even take the vaccine. So there's a lot of issues out there. And, and so for a fact, I'm not going out and getting it in the next 90 days. Um, but in the future, I don't know. It's up for a debate. But I want to see what happens. I, I, I just have a problem with this no long-term trials. I have a problem with, there have been no trials as far as I'm aware as of yesterday, there have been no trials for anybody under the age of 18 uh, re, uh, regarding this, uh, receiving this vaccination. You know, so that's scary because a vaccination that is targeted to protect your upper, upper respiratory, well, what does it do in kids that are developing, that are their upper respiratory isn't fully developed? You know, we're, we're just in a bad spot. Do you take the vaccine? Do you not take the vaccine? There's just a lot of stuff going on right now. 
And I think it shows. I think people are stressed out right now just with dealing with 2020 and now 2021 of this constant barrage of high stress. How are we getting paid? How am I paying my bills? Where am I going to live? Am I going to catch COVID? Am I going to spread it to my grandmother and kill her? There is just a lot of stress in this world going on. And you've seen that shift in people's attitudes where initially early on everybody's getting on zoom calls and having a good time and you know we're going to be locked down for the next 14 days so we're going to talk to each other here and it's just gonna uh, make a difference and you know where and this is something simple where i started to realize that it's taken an emotional toll on people now i don't want to play off like i'm mr popular or anything like that because i'm not but i did notice on new year's eve as i was sitting at home not doing a damn thing I noticed that at midnight or that night as as New Year's Eve approached, usually my phone is going off. Everybody's texting, hey, happy New Year's, happy New Year's, happy New Year's, happy New Year's, happy New Year's. You know, it's just friends communicating and that's what you, what you get on New Year's Eve. But this year, uh, it was only a couple of them, a handful. And I think it's because maybe I've been such an asshole in 2020 that that's why, I don't know. But I'm telling you, uh, it's just that people are so overwhelmed with the bullshit that's going on. They're starting to clam up in their houses and become more antisocial. It's not that they want to be antisocial. Hey, depression during this thing is real. You know, going months and months on end without seeing your friends or being involved with people. That takes its toll. I feel so sorry for the kids, the kids of our of this generation, of this COVID generation. You know, high school, junior high, elementary losing out on years, a full year of interaction with your peers. Think about that. Think about you think about being a senior in high school and missing out on your senior year because of COVID-19. It's depressing shit, man. It's bad. So I really feel bad for the kids. You know me, I can uh, watch Netflix for hours on end apparently. Um but but for these kids, that is that is something that is going to alter the course of their life. You know what I mean? Well, what, what, that 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 girl that I met in high school, that I ended up marrying. How many of those stories are not going to happen due to COVID nineteen? You know, this COVID nineteen is really really altering people's lives, and it's it's crazy, it's insane. I want us to get through it. I want us to be done with it. I would love to hear some more people talk about herd immunity. You know, I want us, I want the vaccination to work. I want people to be healthy. I want to get life back to normal. But my fear is, is that will it ever get back to normal? And that's, that's an, that's an answer that we're just going to have to wait around and see how that happens. Anyways, I think I've been rambling enough. Uh, yeah, the doom and gloom, uh, opinion of uh, that i've been giving you but anyways yeah check out some other social media outlets uh like i said radio underland is going to be on float as of right now i'm not 100 committed to that and that could change uh, because i'm sure technology is going to change a lot in this next few months next year and uh hope the cream will rise to the top but we are getting a foot in the door if you're on float come and find us uh, follow us and like I said the platform's just starting so it's in a it's in a rough spot but we're trying to get in there early be early adapters of one of these platforms and get our foot in the door other than that man everybody hang in there hang in there if you're at home working 
you're able to able to uh, commute in by computer, you know, telecommute, whatever they call that. Be thankful. There's a lot of people out there can't do that. If you're out there and your industry is completely shut down and has never reopened during this COVID-19 crisis, keep your head up. You know, we're, we're, we're going to get through this. We're going to survive. Don't be afraid to reach out to your friends. Reach out to your friends. Say hi. Reestablish those connections. Don't, don't get stagnant sitting at home to the point where you're just not reaching out to anybody and you're sitting there in a ball of depression. Get out there. When I say get out there, get out there digitally. Contact your friends. Have a phone call. It'll make you feel better. And I'll tell you what, don't sit around and wait for somebody to call you or whatever you got to do because that might not happen, okay? So you got to be proactive in this and uh, get out there, talk to people, you know, do the best that you can. I think we're in a situation with COVID-19 where it's just a lot of people doing the best that they can. And it's hard not to be overwhelmed, but you know what? We got to fight through this. This is what we're dealt with and we got to get through this. Anyways, it's Jake with Radio Underland. Hit us up. If you got any comments, you can hit us up at, uh, I don't know. I'm sure we have email addresses that are still active out there where you can hit us up. Uh, I guess if you have any, yeah, just leave it. I don't know. You reach out to us. Find us. Or you can send me an email, jake at radiounderland.com. Anyways, I'm almost to my destination, so I got to go. I don't know how many minutes that was. That was... uh, Well, I don't know. But either way, I'll tell you what, I am, uh, this has been a little road trip with Jake, and I'm going to shut up now, and you guys have a good week. Later.